Um, well, today, because it's Father's Day, I thought, you know, we got we to gotta do something that kind of speaks to, hey, it speaks to, <laughs> just saw something I hadn't seen for a long time. Um, we're going we're gonna to try to find something that kind of speaks to that. And so I went through my files, and I came across one of those old urban legends. When email first came out, it was used for two purposes, um, one for, uh, for business, and secondly, to pass along urban legends. That's what people did with email at, when it first came out. And so I found one of those, and to, to, to fully get this illustration, I need you to work with me a little bit. Um, if you could imagine right now, and I'm serious, do this, imagine right now you're in a college freshman class. It's a secular university, um, you've got a professor who has it in for Christianity, and you're there at a college freshman ethics class. All right, we able to do that? Okay, let's play our college uh, scholastic music, and, uh, and let's, let's embrace this illustration. Good morning. There we go. All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed your readings on Docking, Hitchens, and Haw- excuse me, Dawkins, Hitchens, and Hawking. A little sleepy this morning. I hope you found those readings enlightening and you enjoyed those. You know, I know that as freshmen, some of you may still harbor the naive and archaic belief that God somehow forms the basis of rational ethical constructs. Well, I'm here to, to, uh, to set that foolishness aside and to prove that wrong with one test. Now, if there is a God from which all right and wrong are somehow derived, then I give him exactly three minutes to remove me from this platform. You ready, God? Okay. Go. God now has two minutes and 51 seconds to remove me from this platform. God takes his time on Father's Day. Well, God now has... Excuse me. What are you doing? What's the matter with you? What's the matter? God sent me. How many of you guys got that email? Did you? Oh, man. There was a whole bunch of them around there like that, weren't there? God sent me. I love that line. How many of you have ever been in one of those situations where you're in one of those situations where it's a somebody should do something situation? Anybody ever been in those? All right. Somebody should do something. Somebody should say something. Someone should stop that. Someone should... Do you ever stop to think that perhaps the somebody is you. You know, and it may not be a situation that's overtly a challenge to, to God's existence, but all the time we're confronted with situations where somebody should do something, and that somebody might be you. That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at, at, at what does it mean to be a difference maker, to not just sit on the sidelines, but, but to be making a difference, to be used by God to make a difference in this world. 
the jumping off point for this is a, is a passage that could be a jumping off point for a whole lot of, um, a whole lot of, uh, of, of, of different topics. But if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Um, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, we'll put the passage up on the screens. And also, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to send you home with one free today. There's a stack of them there um, at the, the welcome table. You can take one on your way out. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, this passage, boy, we could do a whole series on this, couldn't we? Because you could jump off to so many important, important um, related topics uh, from, from this passage. All kinds of them. Here's just a couple examples of directions we could go that we're not going to go, except for the last one. That's the one we are going to go. But here's some, here's some jumping off points. This, many scholars look at this passage and they say this is one of the most theologically profound passages in all the Bible. And here's some of the reasons why. Because, one, just from Genesis 127, you could go off in this whole important related pathway of both men and women bear God's image. That has implications for all kinds of things. One of them that I haven't been able to shake this week is... Um, is a lot of the talk that's going on about the whole uh, uh, Congressman Weiner deal. And one of the things that, that, I, I, I'm, that is just striking me is on so many of the news sources I've been listening to and watching, they say something to the effect of this. They say, well, this is, this is an integrity issue, but the integrity issue is that he lied. It has, the integrity issue is not what he tweeted. The integrity issue is that he lied. How many have heard that? Okay. So, so I'm listening to that. I'm saying, okay, Maybe that's how it works in the world. Maybe that is your system of morality. But Genesis 127, we are creating God's image. God is a truth teller. Yes, should Christians keep their word? Absolutely. But does that word does that where God's image end? No. God is faithful to his covenants. So a Christian man should not be violating his wedding covenant. You know, God's character is faithful. So, Christian men, in God's image, we should be faithful. So do you see how that, that could take us all kinds of directions, including the one I just started to touch on there? All right, another direction we could go with first, or Genesis 127, that we are created in his image. Um, humans are uniquely distinguished from the rest of creation. Boy, you could do a lot with that, couldn't you? Some of the creation evolution discussions and some of these types of things um, or discussions with atheism and how that's different from Christianity and why they both can't be true. You know, you could go all kinds of directions there. Um, number three, we are going to go this direction in September. We're going to spend a whole series on this that biblical marriage is very good. Using Genesis 127 as a jumping off point, biblical marriage, if you understand biblical marriage, it is very, very good. And here's the one we're going to look at today. This is the number four. Making things happen is in our DNA. In fact, if you would, why don't you take out your notes and, and I encourage you to write that down because that's where we're going to focus today. Making things happen is in our DNA. We are created in God's image. God makes things happen frequently through people. God makes things happen. If we're created in his image, we're created to do the same. Um, in preparation for today, um, I, I took a look at, at this book. Um, those of you who can read it, what does it say? What's the title of this book? Why Men Hate Going to Church. Um, this, there's a lot of truth in here, and there's a lot of directions that they go, but one of the things that really struck me is um, 
is one of the reasons so many men hate going to church is because that's what it is. It's I'm going to church. I'm going someplace. I'm sitting down. I'm listening to something. I'm, I'm asked to sing songs and I'm not a singer, that kind of thing. That, they, that church is understood as a place that you go rather than a body of which we are a part. And a body of which we are a part that we have a role to play, sometimes multiple roles to play. And part of what it means to be creating God's image is not that we go to church. If you're just going to church rather than you're part of the church, you're not doing biblical Christianity. And so, of course, you should be frustrated. Of course, it should seem boring. Of course, it should seem irrelevant because that's not what we were created to do. We were created to be the church. So what I want to accomplish today is to, to, to look at this from a scriptural perspective, this idea that making things happen is in our DNA. And then along the way, I'm going to point out some, because it's Father's Day, I'm going to point out some specific examples of some men who are doing this type of thing. So that's what we're going to, we're going to do in the time that we've got. All right, <clears throat> so let's jump right in. Um, under making things happen is in our DNA, um, one of the ways that you may be called to make things happen is this. Some are called to contribute through creativity. Not all of us are creatives, but some of us are. And if God created you in part in that creative image that he bears, then that's part of what God wants to use from you. Here's a, a passage that we'll look at, Genesis chapter 1. Um, let's take a look. This is in the same passage that, uh, or the same um, book of the Bible, same chapter of the, the, the passage we looked at earlier. This speaks a little bit to God's creative abilities and creative um, character. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Uh, And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light and it was good. And he separated light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from water. God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, there was morning, a second day. And God wasn't finished. He said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land. He gathered the waters and called seas. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit, and all the seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, there was morning, a third day. And we could continue on with all the days of creation. We could continue on the days since creation. And we would see that God is a creative God. He, he can envision things that no one else can see, and he can make them happen. And some of you have been given that gift. You know, I, I offer Exhibit A, our altar. Um, when we were moving from Chippewa Middle School to here, I thought, we've got to get an altar in this place because there's going to be a lot of traffic coming by. And they're going to look in this room, and stuff happens in this room all the time. What's going to set us apart? You know? And so when people are walking by, I wanted them to look in here and go, this isn't just another gathering, but there's some kind of symbol of the sacred here. And, and so I, I go to this creative I know. His name's Adam. And I say, Adam, can you help us with this? And I said, here's the challenges. Here are the types of things we want to be able to accomplish, but it's got to be portable. We've got to pick it up and, and, and take it out and all these types of things. And so Adam comes back with this thing. And, and, and Adam, because he's a true creative, he doesn't say, here is some of the meaning to it. Because he's a creative, he creates something that where, where you look into it and you continue to find meaning. You know, and I'm just looking at this thing. It's, it's three parts that, that are one. 
How, how Trinitarian is that? He's got this, these shapes here that are arches, which are symbols of, of timelessness, generally a spiritual sense to him because of the, the way they point. He, he did point me to this. He said, you know, one of the reasons I have rounded like that is kind of the boat thing with Minnesota. I'm like, I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, the, the, wood is, the wood is reclaimed wood. How beautiful is that injury? So you could go on and on. So this is an example of someone he can, he, can, he can come up with things that most of us never in a million years would have come up with. In the first service, I highlighted um, Mike, Mike Dvorak. He puts together our slides. And there are so many Sundays where it's like, he'll say, okay, you have this series coming up. What kind of image would you like? A good one? <laughs> and he'll take these ideas, sometimes very, very, very rough, and he'll be able to put, he, he can capture something in his head and, not, and he can make it happen. And some of you, you have that gift. Not men, I'm looking at Shelby, women too. You know, they, they, men and women, you have this gift. Are you using it for God's glory? Are you, are, you, are you stewarding this gift for God's glory? Are you making things happen with this gift you've been given? Now, many of us aren't creatives. And, God, and, and none of us fully bear the full image of God. He's God, we're not. But we, we, in part, do. So here's another way that perhaps you're called to contribute. As God wants to make a difference through you, maybe this is an area that God wants to work. And it's craftsmanship. Maybe you're not a person who, who thinks of things that no one ever thought of before, but maybe you're a person who you want to make sure that it is done with excellence. That when you do something, you want to make sure that it is done the right way. And it's done in, a, in an excellent, God-honoring way. This Exodus passage, from Exodus 35, it's a passage we've looked at before, but it fits in really well with what we're talking about now. Because here we have God calling by name a guy, a guy that he knit together, a guy that he empowered, a guy that he gave gifts to. He calls him by name, and it says he was filled with the Spirit of God. And not filled with the things that often in, in you know, Acts chapter 2 and all that that we, we, hear, we associate with the Spirit. Look at this. When the Spirit came on him, it was with skill, intelligence, knowledge, and all craftsmanship. And some of you are craftsmen. Some of you are craftsmen. I think of um, James Zerbes up here who, who often is playing guitar. He's a craftsman. You can just tell it is, I am going to do this with excellence. Nobody has to tell James. Nobody has to tell James. Do your best, James. James will bring his A game every time. Dan, um, with, especially with a lot of the sets, Dan's another guy who comes up here, and he will, um, he'll, when it comes to putting together the, even the, the selecting of the songs, he's a craftsman. He's like, okay, where does God want to take us, and, and what does he want to say, and what's going to work? So this takes on all kinds of forms, in physical forms. Um, you know, I see Del sitting out there. Um, we, we, had, we, we, added, uh, we added, added an office space. And we went down and we had to take out some walls. Well, anybody can take out walls, you know. But Dell was able to, in one of the walls we took out, he's able to take a window that was part of that wall, save the window, put it in another room, and finish it off and make it look just great. And again, never once do I have to look at Dell and say, Dell, could you make sure you sand that a little bit better? And all like I said, Dell, you know, he's in there taking care of it. We've got, we can do these things. We can be these craftsmen. As, um, as I was working on the website, um, I realized that I have not been saying something that I should be saying. Um, and I, and I, so I got it out on the, on the web, and, and I, I want to share it here today. Um, the specific context for that Exodus 35 was um, a situation where the, God was asking to have a tabernacle built for his presence. And this is a very, very loose translation here, but in a sense, it's a portable church. 
And I was thinking about us, you know, and the care that he wanted with his tabernacle was, was, he was down to the details on this, and he's pouring out the Spirit upon people. And I was thinking about, here we are in this portable church, and yes, we should make it nice for people who are first-time visitors. We should show that we care about them. We should show that, that, that we're, we're competent. But be, more important than that, are we preparing to gather in God's name? Are we preparing, as we do our craftsmanship to put this together, are we preparing to invite the King of Kings into our presence? You're not going to see the cords behind there, but are we preparing, laying out those cords? The King of Kings is coming. And if he goes back there, if he goes back there, he sees all things. You know, when we're straightening up things, we're not just setting out stuff. It's the King of Kings that we're welcoming. And can you imagine what a testimony that would be to the community? If it's not, we're setting this up so you think it looks good and then you'll come to our church. That, that yeah, we care about you because God has, has put this on our heart. We believe this is real. We want you to know these things. But you know what? It's really not about you. It's really not about us. It's about God. And we are going to give our absolute best to him. Craftsmanship. Some of you have that gift. Are you stewarding it that kind of a way? All right, another, another area is this. Some are called to contribute as a consultant or a contractor. Now, let's take a look at this Exodus 18. And one of the reasons I'm excited to talk about this Exodus 18 is because I saw something this week I've never seen before. I've seen this passage used, and I've used it before to talk about delegation. Is that one of the takeaways from this lesson? Yes, that is, that is minor compared to the more important things. All right, so let's look at this passage real quick. Here we've got Moses, as in Ten Commandments Moses, as in Red Sea Parting Moses, as in Speaks with God Moses, all right? So you've got, as in leading a million people or so out of Egypt Moses. So this Moses, his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything that God had done for Moses and his people, the Israelites. He heard especially about how the Lord had rescued them from Egypt. Moses remembered this. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and when he did, he what? He bowed low and kissed him. They asked about each other's welfare, and then they went into Moses' tent. Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and Egypt on behalf of Israel. He also told about all the hardships they had experienced along the way and how the Lord had rescued his people from all the troubles. Jethro was delighted when he heard about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel as he rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians. The next day, Moses took a seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. Christians never have disputes against each other, do they? Oh, maybe that was an Old Testament thing. But anyway, so Moses is listening to all everybody and mediating it. Well, they waited before him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me, and let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees. Give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. 
but have them bring the major cases to you. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law and returned to his own land. Let's keep that on the screen for a second. I want to I talk about this. Now, you can see the delegation piece, right? You can see why people talk, use this example about delegation. But there's more here. And the thing I'd never noticed about this passage before was how Moses and Jethro were treating one another. Did you notice that? That here is Moses leading people out of Egypt, Moses. This is Moses. Again, like I said earlier, this is a million people counting on me, Moses. This is Moses. And you got Jethro. Hey, I'm from the hick priesthood of Midian or whatever. You know, you, you've, got, you've got a huge differential here, right? Hickville priest, Moses. What does Moses do when he sees Hickville priest? It's his father-in-law, so, you know, right? But, but still... <laughs> So he got that going. But, 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 you know, sometimes people lose track of that too, right? They get all self-important. Moses bows low and kisses the guy. Now, that's a cultural thing. I'm not going to bow low and kiss you. That's not what's going to happen. But what we're seeing through Moses is this humility and this deference. And instead of, I'm Moses, you're not, take a number, I'll get back to you, blah, blah, blah. It's Humility bowing down before him. Can you imagine if church leaders would follow Moses' example? Can you imagine the difference that would make as we try to make a difference in Jesus' name? And, whether, and you've seen this before too, whether it's, whether it's a lead pastor, whether it's an elder, whether it's you're in charge of some ministry team, whatever the case may be, you know, administrator, whatever. Can you imagine if it was always, when, when you came to them, it was always, you were always greeted with respect, you were always greeted with humility that they were always listening. Okay, what, what can I learn here from this exchange? Can you imagine the difference that would make in churches if we did that? And what a greater difference we could make if leaders would listen. But there's another side. Jethro. Did Jethro just come in and go, hey, you should be doing this and this and this. What are you doing? What did he do first? He listened. He heard from Moses what God was doing. He got a greater sense of God's purposes. He got a greater sense of what Moses was called to do. And before he ever gives any advice, he comes from an informed position. Can you imagine that? That is God's people, if both of those things happened, where leaders would listen and those with ideas would seek to understand before trying to be understood. Huh. Forget about the delegation piece. Everything's going to happen fall into place if you get those two things right. Now, specific to this, if we could go back to our list on, um, on number three, let's talk, I use the language of consultant or contractor. Because out of that passage, and just out of experience, these are two key areas where many of you are able and have been making contributions. Some of you in this role of consultant. Jethro had another gig. Jethro was the priest of Midian. And so, even at the end of that passage, it says, then he went off to do his thing. Some of you whether it's your stage of life or whether it's the other ministries that God has called you to, you don't have time to serve on some of the classic teams. Your, your schedule doesn't work that way. Your life doesn't work that way. But what you can do is you can consult. And we have been blessed by people who have given us wise consultation from the beginning. You know, I see Tim sitting out there. You and I used to meet at that, um, that restaurant uh, and, uh, and we would talk, and I remember especially um, when, you, when you brought up the idea of an online database, because I'm like, we got all these people now, it's all in my, my, my computer, and you're like, well, you're a portable church, why would you not have an online secure database? 
because I never thought of that. <laughs> you know, so we've got that, you know, and it's Jerry here. And we've started some of those discussions. Jerry deals with some high-risk insurance type things. And so this whole idea of, okay, I, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the skill. When we take people to dangerous situations like Juarez, what should we be thinking about? How do we do this? You know, so we've got these folks. Mark, I bumped into him in the parking lot. Mark Johnson, um, with the database continuing now as we continue to move forward with that. You are using language that I'm like, yeah, I bet that's what we need to do. You know? <laughs> But, but you're, able to, you're able to speak about things that, that, that are going to be helpful and consult our church on that. And now that we have elders and we have a, a leadership team, every month I bring the most challenging cases we've got as a church, and I say, here they are. And we've got wise men and women on there who speak to these things. Many of you are called to those types of roles. It might just be on a small project. It might be on a bigger systems thing. You have advice. You have wisdom that we need. You know, and whether it's here or whether it's elsewhere, if you've got that gift to be able to see things that, 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 that need to be different and you can speak into that, that is a gift from God. Look what it did. That one conversation with Jethro, it, 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 it changed their whole structure and more people got cared for. That's a great investment right there. And then the contractors. Here's what I mean by that. In the passage we just read, what Jethro's consulting advice was, hey, there are qualified people there. Tell them what, what the needs are and release them to meet these needs. You know, you've got capable folks. Let, turn them loose. You know, and again, I look out, I see Jeremy and, and with the softball team or Keith with Boundary Waters. You know, we've got so many people or the guys who are organizing that, that men's weekend. We've got people who've done this. who are just like, I can do it. I don't, I don't need a babysitter. You know, it just, what, can I do this? I, I see this need. Can I run with it? Can I, can I go forward? Some of you are gifted in that way where you can just take responsibility, be entrusted with it, and go. What a great way to contribute to the kingdom of God. Well, we could go on and on and on. Let me just give you one more for the sake of time. Um, here's another one. Um, some of you are called to contribute as counselors and mentors. The way this is different than a consultant is generally a consultant comes in, targeted thing. It's usually structural. They're usually for a more of defined period of time or, or to fix something. Well, counselor, it's more of, you know, I'm not investing in a systems thing. It's a life. And I want to speak into life. And, I, and, I, and a lot of times it's not even speaking in. It's listening. It's listening and walking with people. And we are blessed to have people doing that. You know, Ron's been with us from the beginning. And, and Ron, we've, we've needed you all the way along. You know, the, the, diff, the listening ear you've been to so many people with so much of the, the, the marriage preparation, walking them through prepare tests and all these types of things, um, facilitating the discussion group for the parents on, on, the, on, on the teen nights. That's huge. You know, and for others of you, like um, Evan and, and uh, Eric, who is up here, and John and, and Nick, and some of these guys who are, are mentoring our young kids in the children's ministry. I, growing up, I never had a guy Sunday school teacher. Never. The first time I saw a guy helping out with like kids' stuff was actually when I was a teenager. That was the first time. And for them to, at this age, as these kids come in to go, it's men and women working together because both of us bear the image of God. What a wonderful thing. So thanks to all of you who are, are serving in that, in that way or working with our teenagers. Um, can we look at that reference real quick, John 14? Um, here's, a, here's a passage. Um, just again, emphasizing how this is stuff that flows from the image of God. Um, this is Jesus, his last night with his disciples before his crucifixion and, and resurrection. He said this, he goes, These things I've spoken to you while I am with you, 
but the helper, and we don't, the reason we have all this stuff in the brackets here is we don't have a word that, that translates well from the word that's used there in Greek. We don't have one. Um, some people translate it as helper, some as counselor, some as comforter, some as intercessor, advocate, strengthener. Isn't that what a counselor does? You know, all of those things. That's the image of God. He wants to send this helper, counselor, comforter, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things to bring your remembrance to your remembrance, all that I've said to you. Now, in parentheses, that's, those are the Greek words. The second is a Greek word that could have been used the first is the word that was used. The word that could have been used is a word for the it, pronoun it. Do you notice that the Holy Spirit was not referred to as an it, but rather as a personal pronoun, he? So you've got this, the, 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 the Holy Spirit, the, the, the he, this, this person of the Trinity. Some of you are created in that image. Some of you are, are, are created in the, in the ability to help strengthen advocate, intercess. Are you using that gift for the kingdom of God? So today I realized it was a little bit different than some of our, our messages. It, it kind of reminded me a little more of, um, of the ending of Paul's letters where he, he makes a statement and then at the end he starts to say, oh yeah, and here's some people that, that I want to commend. And I certainly haven't commended all of them. I, you know, I see Scott out there. You're usually the first one here. You know, almost every day since we've started the church. You're, you're the first one, uh, first car in the lot, you know, faithfully serving. And I could go around to every, you know, almost every guy in this room, you know. Um, so thank you for being that. And that's just the guys. At our church, we have women stepping up all the time. And, and usually when we give examples, it's always both ways. Because that's how it is. We're both creating his image. In fact, as the worship band comes up, let me just share one story um, with one of Laura's friends and how this plays out in her life and what inspiration is to mine. Um, she was a person who, growing up, she, she was a, a spectator at church. You know, she always went with her family and, and, uh, and would faithfully attend and, and tried to live a you know, good life. But then she got involved with another church, and, and they tapped into her musical gift. And so she was up helping with one of the worship bands. Well, then she heard of an opportunity to go to Haiti. And so she said, I'll, I'll, I can be on that team. So she went, went to Haiti. Well, when she went to Haiti, God got a hold of her heart. And she came back and she says, I got to go back again. And not only did she go back again, next time she sent her husband to go back again. And not only did she go back again and send her husband to go back in, but she says, I I can make a difference here. I can lead a trip. And so then she started leading trips. And this is all in a short period of time. Well, the conversation I had with Laura just this week was about how our friend Karen, who I hope to introduce you guys to sometime, right now, she, she's a mom, and so she's trying to figure out how does my family help launch a ministry in Haiti because right now there are kids who are, who are starving. Right now there are kids who are in the slave, sex slave trade that would not have to be. And the, the, the more I drag my heels on not doing things that I know I can do every day, one of these girls is in this horrific situation that wouldn't have to be. And so now her, her paradigm is not, how do, how do we keep our gorgeous house even more gorgeous? Her paradigm is not, am I chasing after all the things that everybody else is chasing after? Her paradigm is, is, is something that really matters. Getting kids out of a situation like that. You, God has gifted you. 
God has gifted you and God wants to bring these gifts alive and gift you even greater. In fact, so much so that people look at those gifts and they say, those are spiritual gifts. They come from God, not you. He wants to do that. Are you allowing him? Are you consciously making yourself available to say, God, here I am. Use me. Well, as we close, Phil found a great song. It really is written primarily to dads, and so dads soak in every word of this. But it, I think it fits all of us, too. It's a song about making a difference and allowing God to, to break the paradigms that you hold and seeing things a different way. If you know the song and want to sing along, please do. Otherwise, um, just feel free just to, to soak in these words. Let me pray to that end um, as, we, as we enter to this time. Father, we do. We, we pray to that end. We ask, Father, that you will help us to see you more clearly so that we can be image bearers of you. Father, bring alive these gifts you've given us. Even as we prayed in that first service, we pray that right now in this moment your spirit would be active and working and that you would help us to not resist the work of your Holy Spirit. But rather, Father, if you want to bring to mind ways where, where we can use these gifts you've given us, do it right now. Father, in fact, we pray again for your spirit as we did that first service that you would descend on us and gift us in new ways so that we could make a difference. And instead of looking out the world at all the problems that are there, we could be part of the solution. So Lord, do that. And Lord, also this time as we bring our financial gifts to you, we pray that you will use them for your service, your plans, your purposes, not our comfort or entertainment. Make this time holy, God. In Jesus' name, amen.